Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and folks, we tried. We tried. We made the decision, Sam and I and Jacob alongside, that even though Jacob and our most important member, JJ, couldn't go on last week, that we were going to try to do a podcast. Clearly, that was the wrong choice. It's what we get. The football gods have spoken. We will never do a podcast when it's not at least the four of us to start and the three of us to finish. Because while we were out, the whole kingdom got turned upside down. And boy, we have feelings on it. So let's not delay. Uh, I don't have any fun or attempted clever intros today because we just want to dive in. So... Uh, Sam Blecka is with us. Jacob Allen is back with us with baby JJ alongside. Sam, I am going to come to you first to start things off because not even like 12 hours after we finished, we started getting rumblings of Tyreek Hill being traded away from the Kansas City Chiefs, either to the Miami Dolphins or the New York Jets. And then by, I think it was like 11, 1130, I forget exactly, confirmation came down that Chiefs did trade away Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. We'll get into compensation and all that and every other which way we can. But what was the gamut of emotions that you went through when the news came down that Tyreek Hill was moving on from Kansas City? Sean, though you uh, have failed us in bringing in funny intros, I actually did think of one. It's (laughs) Sam Black, how are you doing today? And my response would have been, I have been taking leadership from Will Smith and open hand slapping multiple people that have brought up the Tyreek Hill trade. Uh. <laughs> that would have been my response. But no, honestly, um, surprisingly, it, it didn't. I'm OK with it. I, I, it didn't it didn't upset me that bad. Um, yeah, it sucks. Tyreek Hill is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But I think I have fully accepted what Jacob has been preaching, and that is we are the new Patriots, and we are going to accept the Patriot way. And just so I I, was like one of those like, well, that sucks. We got picks, though. You did get a lot of picks. Chiefs are up to 12 picks now. I'll get into the compensation here in just a moment before I do. Jacob, welcome back, number one. Maybe JJ, welcome back as well. You were out and about on vacation, it looked like, having a good time. And then the news comes down. What was the gamut of emotions that you went through, the spectrum, as it were, when the news of Tyreek Hill being traded was confirmed? Well, first off, I... I, I had all that news live, but then I went back and listened to you guys and somebody needed to check in on Sean. That was a sad fella who was recording his own. <laughs> I was getting ready to call services to make sure that <laughs> Sean was still alive in his home. <laughs> I, was, it was, I was so tired doing that intro because I had been a long day at work anyway, and I'm ignoring all my responsibility, just refreshing Twitter as much as possible. So, yeah, I was tuckered by the end of it, man. I was I was feeling some kind of way. Yeah, like like most of Utah, we were in the middle of nowhere. And that was JJ's response. We were in the middle of nowhere, and you know, you're not supposed to look at your phone while you drive, but I think it's okay when there's you haven't seen a car, you know, for 20 minutes on the open highway. Oh. And so I saw saw the that oh, looks like. Tyree Kill's been rumored to maybe be traded. And then, you know, about 30 minutes later, it's like, there's two teams. 30 minutes later, it's like, he's going to the Dolphins. I wasn't, I wasn't sad or angry. I kind of was like, I think probably the rest of the NFL world, like, wow, I was quick. But at the same time, I, I really wasn't upset, and I think I think I've told most people I think it's a win-win trade for both teams. The Dolphins needed a big weapon, and the Chiefs needed the cap space and the picks. So that was my initial reaction. You both were far more measured than I was in the moment because 
where I'm a Chiefs fan and a, a wildly emotional human being anyway. When I heard the news was coming down, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like Tyree Kill of all people, like we're not, we're going to pay Frank Clark, Anthony Hitchens, Chris Jones, but not Tyree Kill. That was my knee jerk reaction. And the more I thought about it, I went to, well, if they get like, you know, Jalen Waddle in a second or like picks number four in like a couple of seconds from the Jets, then I, I think I'd be okay with that trade. That'd be great. That was never realistic. Like it, it just wasn't like you're looking at a 28 year old wide receiver who while granted is one of the top wide receivers in the NFL currently and is arguably the best wide receiver to ever go through Kansas city. You look at what they, the, the Raiders had to give up for Devonte Adams and you go, well, maybe the compensation isn't realistic for what I'm thinking initially. So my knee jerk reaction was just, and I was infuriated. I was like, how could you give up Tyreek for such a low offer? And then, you know, after coming down off of my emotional roller coaster, it was okay. Who was honestly going to give more than that? You cleared up all this cap space. You now have major flexibility to address multiple positions. And so I think I've come down on your guy's side of it where I'm still sad Tyreek Hill is not a chief anymore, but I get that it makes sense. And the biggest positive for me is knowing that Brett Veach will be willing to make a hard decision now that Patrick Mahomes is on a major contract and that has kicked in and they won't be held hostage by other players on the team. If it's necessary to move someone, they will. I can be completely honest. I think the thing that uh, helped me get through it even more is if you didn't see Mitch Holtis, Mitch Holtis on ESPN, mm. just being the reason he is the best. It was, it was great. Um, I don't, I can't remember what the guy's name, what show he was on. Siciliano, um, uh, Cic- the guy yeah, on NFL Anthony Network Ciciliano. or ESPN, yeah. one of those two. I forget which big one, but yes, yeah, something Siciliano or something like that. Anthony. Anthony, thank uh, you. But uh, yeah, go if you haven't watched it, go watch it. And it will, even if you're still sad, it will make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. No, you did send that to us, and I honest to God did feel better after watching it. I was like, oh, okay, I get where where this landed. Well, well, Sean, then let me give you my second reaction because my second reaction was. Most of Chiefs Twitter is not worth following. Yes. Because the people are just ridiculous. Of, I cannot believe they turned a diary kill. I'll never watch another game, blah, blah, blah. It's like you have to disassociate your love of your team with the players as hard as that can be. You have to understand that only a few players really stay around for too long. Your heart will be broken if you fall in love with too many players for your franchise and your fan, this baby really does not like these opinions. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the listeners can hear him laughing too, after he got his reaction. But my question back to most people would be like, well, what did you want the chiefs to realistically do? Because are you wanting this team to just get older and older and get worse and worse because if you don't trade Tyree Kill, you're essentially trying to create Chiefs light and Chiefs lighter and Chiefs lighter. They've shown you that you're getting thinner and thinner because you don't have the top resources when you win all the time. At some point, you're going to have to make a move where you can get some of the enough first round picks where you can go get left tackles, like we talk about how the top pass rushers aren't available when you're the Chiefs because of. You're always picking at the bottom of the first round. These are things that have to happen. And it's just funny to me that so many people don't realize that. And it's like, you can look at, and I'll go cross sport first. Look at the Warriors. They got old really quick. One guy blows his knee, another guy blows his Achilles. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, this dynasty's done. I'm sure the Warriors would have been able to love to look ahead and be like, what if we trade Clay Thompson for a you know boatload of picks and reload this team completely instead of get old and try to run the same thing back again and again and again? So I would say you've got to keep your eyes on the future constantly, and that's why I ultimately like the trade a lot. So that's kind of the next part of it. Like, and I guess you you've kind of tipped your hand on this, Jacob. But did the Chiefs get enough in this trade? So let's go through the compensation real quick. Because I think that was the thing that 
made me really upset at first. And then, you know, I've since come around to maybe have a, a more measured opinion on this topic uh, as opposed to just a purely emotional one, which I get. Like if you're one of those fans out there that's mad Tyree Kill's gone, I get it. I'm that guy. I didn't want Tyree Kill to be gone. thought it was a match made in heaven with Patrick Mahomes. But I, I, so I get where you're coming from, but maybe we can find some, some middle ground here. So the, what the trade details were are this are these. Um, Dolphins got Tyree Kill and nothing else. The Chiefs got the Dolphins' first, second, and fourth-round picks this year. The first-round pick is number 29, so right before the Chiefs' actual first round. Their second-round pick is actually number 50, so fairly, a, a fairly early second-round pick. Um, and then they also got two more picks in 2023, a fourth and a sixth. So day three picks, but Chiefs have shown at times to, to be able to really hit on day three, see Legereus Sneed. All that being said, did the Chiefs get enough in this trade for the picks? They now have 12 total. They get five from Tyree Kill, just three more than the Raiders got or the Packers got for Devontae Adams. Jacob, did they get enough in this trade? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty even. And again, I've said I think it's a win-win trade. If you put yourself in the shoes of the Dolphins, I don't think you thought that you gave up too much either. I think you look at it and say, first, second, fourth, fourth, and what, another sixth? It's like, yeah, that's about right. And plus, we know we're going to have to pay Tyree Kill when he shows up. Again, I think it's okay to admit there's a win-win trade. You don't always have to say, who, who won this trade? I'll keep going crossboard and say something like the Zach Grinke trade when that happened. That ended up being a win-win for both teams. These things happen. And the benefit of that is teams want to trade with you again in the future because they're like, hey, this is not a team that tried to work us over, and we'll continue to work with them. Sam, what about you? Do you think the Chiefs got enough draft compensation to to justify moving on from Tyreek Hill? Yeah, I definitely think we got plenty. Would I have halfway preferred Tyreek to go to the Jets so we'd get a higher pick? Sure. I mean, that's that's an obvious one where if you can get the higher pick compensation, you will. But would, there's no way I think we would have even gotten a first with the Jets because I think they would have tried to fight it. But, I mean, I was just pulling up other aspects, other players that notable wide receivers that have been traded. Just saw Devontae Adams. He got first and second. Okay, we got similar compensation. The Vikings got a first round, a fifth round, and a sixth round, and then a fourth in the next draft. Pretty similar. I mean, not even as high a compensation as we got. And then that joke of a trade that sent uh, uh, Hopkins to uh, um, Atlanta, we won't even discuss. So when you look at other notable wide receivers that have been traded recently, it's very similar compensation. And it's one of those that, Jacob's right. When you look at the visceral reaction, the kind of guttural reaction people gave specifically on social media, um, all all they looked at was the player. They didn't look at what that player, the, the other aspects that are tied to that, this trade, which is number one, again, the cap space. I think that's going to be the biggest conversation that we'll move into, but then the picks, with picks come young, affordable players, players that you can control for five to or four to five years, typically, um, depending on where you draft them. So it's yes, is losing one of the best wide receivers in the NFL hard? Sure. But when you see what we got back, not just in picks, but in cap space, because I think that's going to be the true story of this as, as we'll get into um, it, it, it's by far enough compensation, even, even for someone as good as Tyree Kill. Yeah, after I came off of my, well, if we get a first and Jalen Waddle, that would do it for me, kick. I, I thought that this was a pretty even trade. I thought the Chiefs actually did pretty well to get what they did, especially after I saw the Jets offer, which was like a couple of second, like I think it was three second round picks, two fairly high in the 30s, one in the 60s, and then and that was it. And then the Chiefs would have to give Tyreek Hill and their third round pick, which was number 103 overall. Uh, that's I don't want to give any picks away if I'm giving away Tyreek Hill. And if I'm giving away picks, it better be for a high first rounder. So 
I think the Chiefs actually did really, really well. And, and to Jacob's point, they earned goodwill both, I think, probably with the Dolphins, where it's, hey, we're willing to trade, number one, within the AFC and, and give a fair trade. But two, also with Tyreek Hill. Like, Tyreek Hill's got a home in Miami, is my understanding, from all the reports that were out there. Like, Miami was his, is his home when he was training in the offseason. So to be able to go, like, hey, Dolphins want you. If you can, if you can work out a contract with them, we'll send you there. That, that speaks a lot to your franchise, and hopefully, we'll earn you the benefit of the doubt with other players if and when other decisions like this have to be made. Because I honestly think you might see something similar to this with Chris Jones next year. So to be able to have this kind of a history in your back pocket, where it's like, hey, we're willing to deal fairly if you're willing to deal fairly with us, I think that's a big thing. And they got a lot of draft capital that allows you a lot of flexibility now. I think five picks getting more than what the Packers got for Devontae Adams is huge. So overall, yeah, like I, once I came down from my wildly unrealistic expectations, I, I think it was a good deal. I think it was a good trade. Uh, I was just going to say too, it's, it does crack me up to like, they're going to let Tyreek choose if the Jets would have said, Hey, you know what? We really want him. We really need the weapon. We know we're the worst team. We'll give you 10. They're like, Tyreek, that's great that you want to go to Miami, but uh, I hope you like New York in the wintertime. Yeah, no, there would have been no deal there. Although, like, yeah, yeah, there probably wouldn't have been a deal there, I would imagine, with 10. Because at that point, you're talking about, like, the top pass rushers available. Last thing here about the trade before we dive into maybe the team at this point. You know, the ramifications, the fallout from the Tyreek Hill trade. Let's talk about this specifically. What do the Chiefs need to get from this draft for this trade to be a good one? Because we can say, like, the compensation matches. Like, we can say we like them getting number 29. We like them getting 50. We like them getting all these numbers and getting five draft picks. But you got to hit on them to make this trade work. Because if you end up like the Browns, I heard this from Matt Verderam on Stack in the Box on YouTube. He brought this trade up as an example. He said, you got to hit on these because if you're the Browns, from the uh, trade with the Falcons where they went out and got Julio Jones and you got five guys that no one can remember anymore, then it wasn't worth it. And it was a bad trade. So the Chiefs have to hit on these picks, at least to some degree, to make it a good trade. So what do they need to get? And I'm not necessarily saying like what positions they have to get, but like, do they need to get one or two pro bowlers? Do they need to get a pro bowler and two mainstay starters? Do they need to get, you know, how... What do they have to get from this draft now that they have 12 picks available to them to make this trade a win for the Chiefs as well as a win for the Dolphins? Um, we'll flip things back and Sam, start with you this time. Slight cop-out answer. I didn't want to dive in because obviously we're, we're going to get into the draft talk. Uh, Sean is going to die if we don't before too long. I tried to get into the mock today, folks. Like, I tried. I tried really hard. We're podcast now already, and we just started the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> so we will get to the drafts. But what we need is from top to bottom contribution. We need players that and, – and that's what you brought up is five guys that you never heard of. I'm not, I'm not looking for pro bowlers. Yes, if we can get out of our first-round pick specifically, you get a pro bowler, that's fantastic. But when you look at our team, the way that it's designed and the way that they built it up to this point, having depth, number one, has showed to be an issue at a number of positions. Um, we, we've been a very top-heavy team at this point. Patrick Mahomes' contract didn't help with that, obviously, and some of the poorer contracts with Frank Clark. But we've been very top-heavy where we start to lose some of your contributing starters. The guys below it have been slightly suspect. So if you can start building the roster with these picks, with, with four now pretty high picks, or at least three pretty high picks within this draft, and build depth within each layer of the team, you're, you're seeing that be much more effective, even then so than getting one all-star. Like if we would have just got one, the 10th round pick from the Jets, and you get one pro bowler, that's great. If you get four guys – that all contribute serious minutes on the field, I think that's actually can, can be a more impactful return than just getting one pro bowler at the top 10. 
uh, in the draft. So for me, what I need to see is, is quality picks and picks that are moving towards allowing this team to push deeper into the playoffs in the problems that we saw this last year, as far as like injury issues and things like that. So Jacob, what about you? What do the chiefs need to get in order to make this trade worthwhile? I'd go straight to my, what you should get out of each round if you want a specific answer. So when you get a, when you make a first round draft pick, you should have a starter. When you take us, when you have another second round draft pick, that should be a second starter. A fourth round draft pick is usually a project of some sort. You're either going upside or you're choosing a position that doesn't have high value. If it is a high value position, like I said, a lot of potential, but I would say realistically, you should get minimum two starters out of this. And for a lot of the reasons you guys are saying, your roster building is so much different when you have a franchise quarterback, because like you guys said, you don't need the pro bowl anymore. You already have the guy that makes everything work. You just need to make sure you have a roster that doesn't have any glaring issues with it. I was saying two weeks ago, you know, my biggest fear of this off season was they 75% fix the offense and they 75% fix the defense. If they signed Terry kill, that's where we were headed. Like maybe even at best, it might've been sweet. We got Tyree kill, but we couldn't afford. They, they might've been able to afford Juju Smith Schuster. We know that now looking at his contracts, like they probably could have added him on, but you with your, I'm guessing there's some other offensive line move to be made for tackle or even guard. I wonder if they might cite somebody out there, but you wouldn't have any money for it. If they signed Tyree kill and Juju Smith Schuster. And then if you flip over to the defensive side of the ball, who's playing, you know, who's playing your corners, who's playing on the defensive line, you wouldn't have much money left to do it. And so that's why, like you guys are saying, it's like, it's almost more valuable to just grab a couple starters versus one pro bowler. This is not your old school, you know, Alex Smith chiefs where you're like, we have to have superstars around this guy. Otherwise, it's not going to go well instead of started. Now, ideally, would every player you draft be really good? Yes, obviously. But it's more important that your team is has depth to it versus when we were headed towards did kind of scare me. And so when the Tyreek Hill trade happened, it made me have it happy as far as did they get enough out of it? And how many starters should you get? Because I do think you put yourself there. Sorry, answering three questions all at once. Here's what I think. I think last year's draft is going to set some really high expectations for Veach now that he has two firsts, two seconds, two thirds, two fourths. I think if you came away with the level of talent you got last year with guys like Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Nick Bolton, that's huge. If you got four Charvarius Ward level starters from this draft at high impact positions, high value positions, so positions like edge or wide receiver or corner, not just interior offensive linemen and a two down linebacker, which all of them performed well above what I thought what they were capable of this year. All of them played at a Pro Bowl level. But if you can get Charvarius Ward at two different corner, at a corner position, or Charvarius Ward level at edge, where everybody's good, everybody is at least good, and maybe you get one guy that is Tyron Matthew level, I, I think that would be a home run for Veach in this draft. So like three Charvarius Ward level starters and a Tyron Matthew, that's a home run to me. Less than that can still be a win. It's just not the the home run level. Yeah. I've even changed my answer as we've gone here. I I do think you have to get one premium position starter filled. And by that, like we have continuously talked about on this, whether that's finding a tackle to go, opposite Orlando Brown or even fill in for Orlando Brown. If he decides to make this offseason a big stance, whether that's like you said, a premium wide receiver, which they 
Nicole Hardman's been a serviceable wide receiver under Brett Beach, but I know one of our fellow friends was making a point about one of the national people. I was it Eric Mangini. Yeah, that's what it was saying, you know, the chiefs are in trouble because they haven't drafted a star offensive player or a star. It's like, it's tough to draft a star again when you're trading away your first round picks constantly. And, but maybe because you don't feel like you can draft a star there and you're not confident in your ability to do it, or just because you don't see a star in the draft. I think you can make an argument on either side of that. Like you said, though, corner, maybe, maybe even safety is fine, but, but yeah, I'm with you. It's like now that you've freed up the cap space and you have the ammunition to trade up without being like, oh crap, now we're going to be short a few, you know, roster pieces. I'm with you, Sean, on this of they've got to get a premium position starter with that much, with that many bullets to use in the chamber. All right. So the trade is done. And once the trade was done, the Chiefs got to work. There were a lot of signings that they had to retain their own players that they seemingly had to wait to announce until they had created the cap space Tyreek Hill trade. So, and then they brought in some external free agents to try and help fill in some of the gaps left by Tyreek Hill's vacancy. So I'm going to read these off. If I miss anybody, I'm sure the guys will point it out to me. But since the Tyreek Hill trade, here are the signings that have been announced or have been uh, announced by beat writers, because there's one in here specifically that I haven't seen the Chiefs announce, uh, but I could have just missed it. Uh, The Chiefs have signed Green Bay Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Tampa Bay's Ronald Jones running back, Deion Bush, who is a linebacker, I think, or safety type. I think he's the safety. Jermaine Carter is a linebacker from uh, the Panthers. Brought back Blake Bell. Thank God. Say that five times fast. Brought back Blake Bell. Uh, Jaguars' favorite Austin Ryder has reported to be re-signed by the Kansas City Chiefs. And Derek Nottie, nose tackle, is back with Kansas City. <sighs> There's a lot. Sam, you pose this question as something we had to talk about, and I, I thought it was a fantastic question, so I'm going to let you bat lead off on this since you brought it to the table. Are the Chiefs better right now, right here today, than they were in 2021? And again, you know, we talked about Juju Smith-Schuster last week uh, being signed, so we can include him in this conversation as well. Sam, are the Chiefs better now than they were last year? Yes. Woo! Um, go on. The reason I say this is because of the players we lost. Name one outside of Tyree Kill that you are extremely upset about. Go. I think they have downgraded at corner. Fair. They Melvin did. Ingram will need a replacement. But they did bring in Jordan Reed at safety. Which athletically, who knows about processing or whatnot, but athletically looks like he's an improvement over Ty- over Tyron Matthew. So, um, my point proven. We are not sad about ever- anyone else that we necessarily lost, other than Tyreek. Who are we happy about? Because I'm pretty happy about three of those players specifically. Again, not nearly to the caliber of Tyreek Hill. I am not comparing any of either of the two wide receivers, Tyreek Hill. I am saying what they bring to the team today improves us over what we were last year. And that's Juju Smith-Schuster, who is basically a year removed from being one of the hottest commodities on the market, essentially. Didn't necessarily get the deal, and I think there was levels to what why that reason was. Yeah, is he annoying on social media? Great. He can join Brittany and Jackson on the sideline and just have all the fun in the world. But is he still a very good wide receiver? Yes. Uh, I'm going to forget his name. I knew I was going to do it. MVS. Just go yeah, with MVS. That. I'm just going to say it that because I'm going <laughs> to butcher it if I tried to fix it. Uh, is he a, an elite wide receiver? No. But he fills aspects of the gaps that we are losing with Tyree Kill and that he's a speedster that has a very good deep threat game. And then Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is, again, a year removed from almost a 1,000-yard running back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Leonard Fournette came in and decided that, yeah, I'm going to live up to pretty much what I was drafted – well, not nearly what he was drafted as, but live up to a first-round talent and took a lot of the carries away, and we saw him drop off over the past couple years 
or, or last year, not even the past couple of years. But we added three pieces to this offense that I would say are vast improvements over every single player that was we lost in those roles besides Tyreek Hill. And then we add depth. We add defensive depth. I can't tell you what Deion Bush and, and Jermaine Carter are going to bring to this team. Sorry, I don't know who they are, really. I just know their stats. But again, defensive depth. It's depth in positions that we lost. So, yes, do I think we are better today than we were? Because my original question, are we better today than we were when Ty- on Tuesday? That was my original question because I want to know, are we better today with the loss of Tyree Kill and the addition of these players? But I, like, I kind of like Sean's because it's, are we better today, even with the other losses, with the ability to sign these other players? And I still think the answer is yes. Sam should have been a politician. You got me all fired up. Jacob, tell me, are the Chiefs better now than they were in 2021? My answer is not yet. I think, again, that's why I liked the Tyree Kill trade. It gave you the room to make a deeper roster and get better at a lot of positions versus just be really good at a few positions. I do like the wide receiver by committee, but there's no denying that it's going to hurt to lose a guy popping off an 80-yard touchdown. Now, as far as MBS goes, I'm not, like, overly thrilled about him. I do know he does bring the deep threat, which Terry Kill's deep threat was waning over the past couple of years of it wasn't there as often. But his, his yards per catch were down, like, two yards this year. I do want people to not think that because Marquez Valdez Scantling is 6'4, don't believe that he plays like the big physical receiver. He is a deep threat. He's got the speed. He's a body catcher. He doesn't go up to get the ball a lot. So I, I do want people to, to know that, just FYI. But they still have to fill some of the holes. And I want to see how those holes are filled between the end of free agency and the draft. And like I said to, to Sam already, corner defensive end still have to be addressed at this point so my uh, the only thing i would push back on mvs is that i think he is more physical of a deep threat than maybe others on uh, currently on the roster and again this is from all 22 that's mostly in like articles i've read from seth kaiser and uh, the guys at KCSN, like Maddie Lane, Craig, uh, Craig Stout, Ken Swanson, but MVS fights through contact initially to get to, to get to his route. He doesn't just stop like, or, ha- or he's not redirected because of it. So I will say that he is, while yes, he's not a, a jump ball uh, snagger as it were, he is physical and big enough to fight through contact and a very good blocker. God, my initial answer was going to be a definitive no. And this is the problem with being someone who's easily influenced on their opinion and why I don't like talking to people because I know I'm easily influenced on my opinion. And you guys have talked me into thinking, well, maybe they are a little bit better. And I'll stick with my, my knee-jerk reaction was no. I don't think you can lose an elite talent like Tyreek Hill and be better day, that first day. I agree with your thing, Jacob, where it's not yet, but there's potential to get there. Because if they come away with an edge who starts – and is explosive, has the speed that you've long pined for uh, with the ability to bend the edge and, and get to the quarterback and actually finish at the quarterback and are able to then you know fill in at, at corner, get a, a guy who can start maybe not right away, but starts you know kind of like a Legereus Sneed situation where he starts halfway through the season and all of a sudden we're like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. If you can do that, then yes, I'll say definitively. I'll say right now today, you lost Tyron Matthew, Traverius Ward, and Tyree Kill. While Tyron Matthew is not the athletic stud that he used to be, he is still a top-tier safety in spite of it and was asked to do a lot of things last year. And apparently, according to Nate Taylor, through several injuries that, that he wasn't asked to do prior because the team needed him to do those things to cover up for some of the deficiencies they had in other places. Charmarius Ward traveled with wide receivers like Devontae Adams 
I think that's something that gets overlooked this year. I think this was definitively Charmarius Ward's best season. And maybe it's the peak, and he got paid like it was a peak season, but you still lost that guy. And then Tyreek Hill is my, one of my favorite phrases to describe the elite of the elite is he is uncommon amongst uncommon men. Amongst elite players like Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, uh, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Hill did things that people can't do. Not just his speed north and south, but, and I, I wonder if you guys can remind me of the game it was, but I, I, for some reason I keep thinking it was like a Dallas Cowboys game where Tyree Hill is streaking down the sideline. It's a rare case where someone does have an angle and enough space to catch him on the angle. And Tyreek just stops. He just stopped. After on full tilt, just 100% roadrunner cartoon stopped. And the defender goes right by him. And Tyreek just waltzes into the end zone. Like people can't do that. So as of right now, I will say no, they are not better today than they were at the end of 2021 because they did lose their best edge rusher in Melvin Ingram. They did lose their best corner. They lost their best safety and they lost their definitive best wide receiver and arguably the most dangerous threat they have on the field. That's going to be hard to replace. Now, I do think that there are other guys on the team to Sam's point, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, which by the way, Jacob, I don't know if you heard last week, but I predicted that a good season from Juju in this offense was going to be 900 yards and like six touchdowns. Sam, I'd like to amend that to 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns uh, because who else is going to catch the ball? So I think there are things that they can do to fill. So, but as of right now, I will say no, they are not better. Sean, to answer your question, I don't know if this was on the rundown. Who else is going to catch the ball? Tyler Lockett's coming to town. It's going to happen. Just, you just got to believe. Don't don't do this to me, Jacob. Don't give me hope. Don't do that. I'll be like Hawkeye in Endgame. Don't do that. Don't give me hope. Do you guys understand how unbearable I'm going to be if we manage to get DK Metcalf? I'm I'm just going to let you have the full <laughs> like, hour, hour and a half, and let you have a soliloquy like, to DK Metcalf. How much Can of a I, rant I'm going to go on? Oh, yeah. I will tell you about, two reasons they're not going to get DK oh, Metcalf. I, I don't think. I don't think we're going to get him either, but I'm just saying in the hypothetical world that we get him, this is going, I'm going to have my own podcast. That's just a rant. <laughs> you being pissed off that we had to trade for a guy we could have drafted. <laughs> so there's that there's, there's one reason. Another reason, why would you trade Terry kill to hand out Terry kills contract? I know it would be because he's a couple years younger, but, actually but also, younger. I've been studying Russell Wilson because I was just curious what's left in the tank. Uh, bad, bad news. We're probably going one and one against Denver this year. He's still fine. Oh, he's fine. Uh, but watching DK Matt Metcalf, you know, like I said, only over two games, it was like, man, that guy has stone hands. Everything that hits him on a short route is bobbled. I was like, I like him though too as a physical freak. They're, they're not; they don't have to th- throw the short routes to him. He just—they're just gonna say, "Just run, and we're gonna throw it to you." Exactly. I will say DK Metcalf still looks great because Geno Smith on my fantasy team when I was decimated with injury had a couple really great games, just throwing jump balls to DK Metcalf in the back of the end zone. Let's stick in a hypothetical world because we don't know the answer to this question yet. But I think it's interesting to discuss. What does the offense look like without Tyreek Hill? Because there is a definitive shift in the style of receiver that the Chiefs have gone out and gotten here of late. And I don't necessarily mean like, like obviously MVS is a, is a deep threat receiver, wildly fast, um, does a great job in that aspect of the game. But if you look at the size of the receivers on the roster, I think McCole Hardman is the smallest one at like 5'10", 5'11", 180 pounds. Everybody else is over six foot and 200 pounds now. Juju Smith-Schuster is like 6'1", 215. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is 6'4", 210. Uh, Even Darice Fountain on the practice squad is like 6'2", 210 pounds. There is a definitive shift, and all of them block well. Every single one of them, apparently, and again, say this as someone who is just 
reading articles of people who actually analyze football versus me who just sits here and posits questions to Sam and Jacob. But all of them apparently block very well. So what does this offense look like next year? Jacob, we'll come to you first this time. It looks like the Jake Plummer Denver Broncos. Uh, and I guess I got to clarify your question. Are you saying with or without Tyler Lockett? Without for now. Let's stick with that. Although, for the record, folks, just in the interest of, you know, getting out ahead of this, because I feel like when I went back and was editing, there was an incredible amount of foreshadowing without me meaning to foreshadow. We are recording this on Tuesday, March 29th. So, yes, I was was laughing listening to you guys because I was like, oh, my goodness, you cannot (laughs) be more wrong and more right and more just like hitting things on the head. And it was like, Here's what Tyree Kill is going to do. I was like, do you mean in Miami? <laughs> but, but yeah, I think they I think they already realized, like, you're not going to replace Tyree Kill. You're going to have to replace a couple things Tyree Kills with different guys. Deep threat. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Possession receiver. Juju. And also another underrated trait about Juju, if you watch his highlights, it's like, how does that guy get so wide open so often? And I think it's because he feels zones really well. He's a good route runner, but I think he feels zones really well. So very similar to Travis Kelsey, where it's like, why is Travis Kelsey always open? He runs good routes. And then when his route's not there, he is still able to find the open space adjusting his routes. So I think on top of that, Mahomes over the last season has looked the best when he had to distribute the ball, when when Tyree Kill was either hobbled or we had games where they're like, hey, Terry, did you guys notice Tyree Kill didn't play the first half because of some different injury? But I, I think that's when he's like best is when he when the plays all weren't relying on, okay, if Tyree Kill, if this doesn't happen, and then the Travis Kelsey part of it's not there, you've got to create. It's like, well, now it's – and so all I'm saying is when he was distributing, it was looking better because it was just like – hey, let's see what happens instead of let's see what happens to Tyreek and then Travis Kelsey or, you know, it'd be vice versa. So it'll be interesting. I I think that's why there is some optimism for a lot of people on offense. And there might be a just a theme shift or a what they're doing personnel-wise because of how big they've made their team. On top of the wide receivers getting a lot bigger, think about – the talk last year was about just how big the offensive line was as compared to the past of shifting away from, you know, the more athletic guys that weren't road graders. It's like, is this team trying to get ready to run the football? Cause that is, that is one of the interesting things that you can look at and say, maybe, maybe they will. Sam, how about you? What do you think the offense looks like in 2022 versus what it looked like in 2021? The exact same. <laughs> without Tyreek Hill. Is that also I, I your answer? This change, I don't think this change. Is that also your answer for a Tyler Lockett offense too? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't think this changes an incredible amount because, again, I feel like a broken record. You can't replace Tyreek Hill. Everyone should know that by now, that we will not be able to replace what Tyreek Hill can do on the football field. He is – a freak of nature and a kind of player we really haven't seen the like of in, in playing the position he plays as far as what he's able to do as a wide receiver. Can you spread, as Jacob said, can you spread that production around? Yes. Can you have guys that run similar routes to what Tyreek was running? Will they be able to break a simple crossing pattern to take it to the house in one of the most important games of the year? Probably not. I we, we lost that ability. I'm sorry that we probably don't have the guy who can take it 70 yards on any play just like that. But, but like I told, said, when my answer was yes, that we are a better team, we've addressed the deep threat. And we again, McColl showed that he had, like at the end of the year, as I said last week, I think he improved last year, and I think he had the most to gain from Juju, and I still think he he still has a lot to gain from these pickups because I think what MVS brings is a lot of what they were trying to demand 
Marquis or uh, McColl to do. So maybe that even takes him away from having to do those real deep routes or the stuff that that's going to fill the role that Tyreek did as the deep player. You've got Juju who can do a lot of the underneath stuff. He is tr- a true slot receiver, even though he is a larger receiver. He can do a lot of those underneath routes that Tyreek ran. So you're not, I don't think the offense will look a lot different. Will we run a little bit more? There's a very good possibility of that if they're trying to get the value out of Clyde and they just brought Ronald Jones in. We drafted two of the best offensive linemen we've seen on the Chiefs, and we signed one in the middle. So we have one of the best interior offensive lines we've seen in the Chiefs since the early 2000s, late 90s. Will they try to run a little bit? Yeah, I wouldn't blame them for trying to do that as well. We saw that last year. I love watching Trey Smith eat people alive. It's really fun. So I'm not going to be mad at that. But no, I don't think this changes much about the way that Andy Reid will approach this offensive game plan. Here are two things I think you could see that are variations. Because I agree, I don't think it'll be drastic changes. But here are two variations that I think you will see next year. One, I think you might finally see Clyde Edwards-Alaire utilized more in the passing game the way we thought he would because Ronald Jones from everything I've heard and read is a runner and is not good in pass protection and is not necessarily the best receiving running back. So if Clyde Edwards Alaire takes on, you know, half the workload of a runner, but also gets a significant uptick in the pass catching department, I think you can see a lot of that. And I think part of that will come with my second variation is last season, we didn't see a whole lot of the screen game. And I think that even though you don't have maybe necessarily the most athletic left tackle, to your point, Sam, I think you see there's the interior of your offensive line is very athletic. And I think you could see a definitive uptick back to maybe not the extreme that was the Andy Reid era of with Jamal Charles, where it was just, if we're in desperate times, I'm going to throw a screen to Jamal Charles and he'll probably do something great. It won't be that, but I would definitely expect an uptick in the screen game this season, just with the types of wide receivers you've acquired. You acquired big physical receivers who are known to be above average blockers. So I wouldn't be surprised. Again, it won't be drastic. I don't think Andy Reid's going to come out and do a 50-50 split with running the ball and passing the ball. He's still Andy Reid. He wants to throw the ball. But I wouldn't be surprised if you saw more screens with this unit as it's currently constructed. Last question here, and then we'll do a quick draft preview because I made the guys accept that part. Uh, They got 12 picks, guys. Really didn't think I was going to do a draft preview at least a little bit. Come on. This is ridiculous. Uh, But before we get there, what do you want to see the Chiefs do prior to the draft? There's a lot of talk going on with the owners' meetings right now with Diana uh, Rossini. I never get her last name right. Uh, From ESPN, who's talked about how the Chiefs are actually inquiring with teams we haven't heard uh, through any other chains as of yet about wide receiver help. Maybe not necessarily the top guys that you'd expect with like A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf are the two big names being rumored, but there's a lot of talk that Chiefs are inquired about other wide receivers. There is an incredible amount of smoke with the Chiefs uh, around Stephon Gilmore and uh, Bradbury from the Giants, two cornerbacks that could fill uh, Traverius Ward's vacated spot. So what do you guys want to see the Chiefs do before we get to the draft, before these picks are implemented? What do you think? What do you want to see the Chiefs do before that time? Jacob, will come to you first. I think I still want to at least another veteran defensive lineman brought in. So that way you don't feel desperate in the draft. I do think at corner you could at least say, hey, if we don't find a corner, we could go with Fenton and Snead as our two guys. And I think realistically – all the rumors you're hearing are, hey, there's a lot of corners that you are looking at, whether pick and choose your favorite guys. So I, I do think that one happens before the draft as well. But I think the bigger 
hole now is edge. And again, receivers the other one that everyone is, you know, looking at round one between one of those two first picks. But I think you're also really okay at receiver in the sense of you could play a game tomorrow with the current roster. But at defensive line, I would be terrified. Sam, how about you? What do you want to see the Chiefs do before we get to draft day? I was right there with Jacob. I think for me, defensive line help is paramount at this point. We saw how much adding Melvin Ingram last year affected that defensive line. Um, So having anyone that could bring that level of production, even if it's Melvin Ingram, bringing him back would be a really, really important move at this point. Yeah, if you can get veteran cornerback help, that'd be great. I'm not – Again, it's like Stefan Gilmore. It's just depending. Guys, been in the league a long time. I'm, I'm going to stop using the word old because it makes me feel bad when he's the same age as me and I call him old. <laughs> he's been in the league a long time. He has some miles, miles on the tires. Um, he is 30. I think he's 32, which is like my age. Yeah. Uh, so, no, they're like – you, you worry about bringing in the, the the guys that have been in the league a long time um, at, at that position specifically, at cornerback, because I think we have seen it's one that drops off very quickly. When when cornerbacks go, they're like, I'm really, really good. I can't walk anymore. That, that kind of shift, basically. Um, see when the uh, Chiefs tried to replicate the Patriots and brought in um, Ty Law and um, who was the other one? I'm going to forget. Was that goes in When we had Ty Long, Pastor Tan. Patrick Sertan would have been fine if he didn't get a concussion game one. So, uh, just uh, just real no. quick, Pastor Tan was great, but my all-time favorite Pastor Tan memory was when he had what would be a pick six for almost any NFL corner, and Philip Rivers ran him down. See players with miles on the tires. <laughs> Uh, but no, I think again, uh, getting some veteran pass rusher help specifically is is going to be a very important aspect because yeah, our D line is questionable at best at this point. Um, and yeah, Jacob kind of hit the nail on the head where if you go in with the wide receivers we have, you're you're comfortable. But yeah, the D line could could hurt you pretty bad. So. Uh, update, Stefan Gilmore is actually 31 years and 191 days old. So he's not even as old as I am at this point. So when is his birthday? September 19th. This is off pro football reference. September 19th. So he will, the season yeah. will have just started and he'll turn 32. We are both old. God, that's <laughs> awful. And the fact that I've never played football, my body's probably way worse than his. It just makes me sad. That being said, I would not hate them bringing in Stephon Gilmore. And that's actually one of the things I wouldn't, I would like to see them do. I think I would like that more than James Bradbury simply because I think being able to have that veteran voice in the locker room again is important. And apparent, and according to those who watch film and are way more into this than me, his play while not elite anymore is still good. He has still been good. And, and Sam, your points of, an excellent one where like that play can just, I mean, it can die quickly for a corner, but I think I'd be willing to take that chance if it was a one-year deal. So I would like to see that. I would like to see some help on, on the defensive line for sure. Those would be my top two uh, because at, at that point, you're not trying to fill holes like you guys have said. All right. Last couple things here tonight and we'll wrap things up. Uh, first things first, draft preview. What position would you rather trade up for? There's a lot of discussion now, now that Chiefs have all these picks. Would they trade up for somebody? Um, who would you guys rather trade for? Edge or wide receiver? Jacob, we'll start with you. Like anything, you know, it depends on context. What receiver, how far are you going to move up? But in general, I think edge because there is a clear tier one and tier two of the edges and I have my draft crushes and I don't think they're going to be available at 29 and 30 as far as the edges go. So I think trade up for the edge. And also I think there's just a good group of a lot of receivers. And I've heard even, you know, from multiple sources that 
even the good group of receivers, it almost seems like every single one of them has a decent amount of stuff to work on and aren't rounded receivers. And it'll be more kind of like what the Chiefs are doing with filling their own receiver room of what skill do you like the best and what do you think you'll be able to fill in on a guy? But that's why, because I think there is a bunch of pretty solid receivers that are going to be available at 29 and 30 versus the edges, I think, are going to be thin by 29 and 30. Sam, what about you? What position would you rather move up for as your wide receiver? Neither. <laughs> I would rather move up for just breaking the mold. I'd rather move up for a secondary player because oh. I think getting a an impact secondary player at the high level, at that higher level, is more important than getting necessarily a pass rusher or wide receiver just because controlling a young player like that for longer, you can get pass rushers. And, and yes, I just said that pass rushers are most important thing, but I think that's an easier attainable uh, commodity than elite secondary if we're really trading up. I like that. That's not bad. I think if I had to pick out of the two presented, I would pick edge because I think they are harder to find in the top of the, in, in the first round. Uh, or in the draft, uh, C, 2020s, or, well, yeah, 2019s wide receiver draft, where it was basically the second and third round just produced Pro Bowlers at the yin-yang. So I would rather go up for an edge if I had to pick one of those two, although I like your your point, Sam, about a secondary player or a corner. Speaking of, let's get our draft crushes here, and we'll get out of here. Sam, will reverse things around. Who's your draft crush? Early draft crush before we get into things big. Sean, would it surprise you if I pulled a Jacob and didn't do the research and I am not a degenerate like you? Not at all. Because that's the reality of my situation. (laughs) I have not really dug that deep. I am very offended because the draft, I'm almost as bad as Sean. Like I I was just talking in general. I was just talking in general. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I was like, I was like, Sean is, Sean is like uh, insane asylum crazy for the nfl draft i'm just like i have to check into a hospital once a week for them to check on my crazy level you're the batman and i'm joker when it comes to our obsession with the draft (laughs) exactly that's exactly you're clearly unwell but i'm a problem (laughs) yes absolutely my two biggest crushes i would lose my mind if somehow Traylon burks and George Karlaftis fell to the Chiefs at 29 and 30. Both guys, FYI, have been projected anywhere from like 8 to 15 consistently, but also I've seen them fall as far as 30. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing, because the mock drafts are never 100% right. There's always two or three guys that, for some reason or another, NFL teams pass up and let fall quite a while. Since you gave two, I'm going to cheat and give two as well. My offensive draft crush is Jamison Williams. He's my wide receiver one uh, because I have a draft board now that I'm in a dynasty football league. So he's my wide receiver one. And on defensive side of the football, it's Boye Mafe from Minnesota. He's an edge. All the things Jacob has raved about wanting with speed, bending, explosion, athleticism, Boye Mafe is that. Boye Mafe is an absolute monster. Might need a little seasoning, but guy's an athletic freak. He'd be my guy. Sean, I want to second that. I also like him, too. And the weird thing I noticed watching some of his Minnesota stuff is, for some reason, they like to play him at defensive tackle a lot. It was like the reverse Chris Jones. It was like, hey, you're really good at edge. What about if we put you at defensive tackle for no real reason? Uh, and then to second that, Sam, since you're not doing a lot of draft. I, you know, I got one. Analyzing. I got one, and I'm going off of the name or off of the Key and Peel drafting philosophy, oh, which is look at the greatest name. Oh, and I've already found one. He's an edge out of Oregon. His name is Kayvon Thibodeau. Oh, but he's the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. <laughs> like, but look, you have to look at how it's spelled to love it because it's it, he great. He won't be like there past was, number five. Oh, I know, but Kayvon. He's Jadavion Clowney of this year. Like, if you're looking at made up names within the key and peel sketch, he's at the very beginning, like where it can still be realistic, but you're like, is that really a name? Cave on like not the a Darius name, shower but... handle. Yeah, <laughs> shower handle. 
I will continue my look for the greatest names in this draft, and they are going to be my picks for the rest of it until I actually start figuring out who I like. So, Sam, if you get some free time, just go watch Traylon Burks on YouTube. He is like DK Metcalf part two. Just goes out there and runs faster than everyone else and is bigger and stronger than them too. He's an Arkansas wide receiver. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us, and hopefully this podcast won't be wildly irrelevant by the time it drops here this uh, coming Thursday. Until next time, you all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next week.